Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. What a play! Can you believe this? <laughs> no, I can't. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. <laughs> this is going to go the distance. Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. Happy, happy Friday. Two happies for you today. We're in a good mood. We just found out we have... Hit a you know a big number in our St. Jude uh, donation draftathon initiative. Tell you a little bit more about that later. We've surpassed last year's total. I'll tell you that right now. So we still want some more. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that donate button. If you're not, go to tinyurl.com/fftdonate and find some things to buy that are going to be awesome for you and are going to be great to support St. Jude as well. Adam Azer, Heath Cummings, and Dave Richard on this Friday morning have a mailbag coming up later today. So no emails on the show today. We have ADP risers and fallers based on the latest PPR average draft position from CBS. We'll talk about the Jerry Judy uh, injury. We'll talk about the latest on Cooper Cup and Terry McLaurin and Jonathan Taylor. We've got the Fantasy Breakfast Club. I'm raising my fist. These are players don't you forget about me at the end of your draft. Uh, Heath, you have, know what, Adam? have you seen the Breakfast Club, Heath, before you... I- I gave you a lot of a really hard time. I think last time I was on this podcast over this whole bust avoid list thing, and it, it probably ruined like five minutes of the podcast. And I, <laughs> like, I think you were wrong about that. But this is a fantastic, fantastic way to frame it. I absolutely love that. I'm going to talk about some guys that I haven't talked about yet. It it makes sense. It has a pop call, and of course, I've I've seen that like seven times. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so Fantasy Breakfast Club, for those of you who haven't seen it, the song Don't You Forget About Me is at the very end. It's kind of iconic at this point. And if you've ever seen Pitch Spoiler Perfect, alert. Oh, uh, yeah, well, it's, I'm not telling you what happened. <laughs> That's it's just the it. song. <laughs> if you've ever seen Pitch Perfect and she sings that in her little mashup and the and her boyfriend puts up his fist, it's a Breakfast Club reference. Um, but first, uh, the stat of the day is Jerry Judy has a hamstring strain. Over the past two seasons, Cortland Sutton has averaged 15.4 PPR fantasy points per game in 11 games that Judy either didn't play or left after fewer than 20% of the snaps. So if if Cortland Sutton had done that, 15.4 PPR fantasy points per game over a full season, he's wide receiver 15 per game in 2021, wide receiver 14 per game in 2022, and he's caught, caught like, I don't know, three touchdowns or something like that. In those uh, in those games, very low touchdown numbers, but a lot of targets, a lot of yards, and he's just been a much different player with Judy off the field. So as we evaluate that situation, Dave, what does it mean for drafting Jerry Judy? Uh, timeline uncertain right now. What does it mean for drafting Cortland Sutton? So when, when I hear multiple weeks for a hamstring injury, I'm assuming that it's a month. And if we're going a month from yesterday, which is when he hurt himself, that would make week three the time that he would be back and that would be a game that they have against Miami, not the best matchup. And then things get harder after that for Denver. 
It, I, I'm out on Jerry Judy as a breakout, obviously. I think that that's out the window. What? And I'm out what? on Why? taking him with, with even uh, – because I, you don't know how hamstring injuries are going to go. This is a player who's already dealt with all kinds of injuries through the early part of his career. All right. He's not a top 70 pick for me anymore. I I, I think I can find better receivers that are worth taking within the first six rounds of my draft. And on top of that, I'm – I do not feel good about where Denver's offense is right now. Yeah. I think their offensive lines look terrible this preseason. I don't think Russ has looked particularly great throwing the football. And I'm just – I'm very nervous about what this Broncos offense is going to be. I, I think it's a really tough decision about which Broncos wide receiver you want to draft first. Um, I've got Judy at the end of round seven right now and Sutton in round eight. Now, I was I was pretty low on Judy before this injury – um, you so are. I didn't maybe move him down quite as much as Dave did, but I, I do think like it's really, there's just so many things that have to be overcome. Like we're hoping that Russell Wilson is better. We're hoping that Jerry Judy is the one who dominates targets, but, and then we're hoping that he can not only get healthy, but then stay healthy for the rest of the season, which he hasn't done very often. Mm-hmm. So I, I do think that there's like, there's still breakout potential. I would not be surprised if we get a month of Jerry Judy as a top 15 wide receiver because we had a month of that almost every season of his career. But I, I, I have no hope that that's going to be week 15, 16, and 17. I don't think it's going to be week one, two, and three. Okay. Let me spin it a little bit more positively um, for Judy. First of all, yeah, they haven't looked good this preseason. It's concerning. There was a, I think Sean Payton said they started to turn the corner a little bit recently. And their offensive line has not looked good. That's concerning. But they added Mike McGlinchey at right tackle, one of the big free agent signings at, at the position. And he hasn't played all season, all preseason. He has a knee sprain. He's expected to be ready for week one. Uh, you could understand some growing pains going into a different system. It, it hasn't looked good, but it's only preseason. Um, Judy, yeah, look, I mean, he's not that high on him. A lot of people are very high on him. There are some really good metrics. There are some more concerning things. If you If you were a Jerry Judy person, I took him yesterday and I got made fun of it. Uh, 60th overall, I had the 12th pick in a draft, and Heath has already talked about the struggles drafting from that spot, and I, I felt the same way. I would have taken him at the 3-4 turn if he had been healthy. I like him. I like him. So I took him at the 5-6 turn instead, and people didn't really like it. But I will say this was only a two-receiver, two-running-back, one-flex league. I felt like I could gamble a little bit more. Uh, had it been I a three the same way with a different pick. Yeah. A three receiver league. I, I think it makes more sense to be more bearish on Jerry Judy, but you can kind of take some shots because you can still fill out your roster pretty well. And I think I, I did that. So that's where I, you know, I do want to bring that up. Maybe that angle of maybe not sinking players as much. If you have a smaller starting lineup, I just you- wonder though, because I, I, I look at the wide receivers in that 30 to 40 range, which is where Judy's going to end up, whether he's at the top of it or at the back of it. I think. Uh-huh. And like you're talking about, I, I want to take a shot on his upside and I'm willing to absorb the risk. Well, look at the upside of Mike Evans or Mike Williams or George Pickens or Michael Thomas. Like those are the guys that are going in that range. Going. Yeah. Yeah. You think they have as much upside as Judy? I think they More. all have. Well, that, I mean, you know how what I'm going to say about this, Adam. You think a 30 year old, 30, 31 year, whatever he is, Michael Thomas has has the same upside that he showed when he was in his prime. You think he could be wide receiver one? I think he has the same upside that he showed last year. Okay, 
I mean, Judy Judy was a star, basically, at the end of the season. He First five games of the year, Cortland Sutton got most of the targets. That experiment failed, and then it was Jerry Judy's team. And, the, like, what, the last five games of the year? I don't know what it was. He was just freaking outstanding. He's, he's at that age. He makes sense as a breakout if he could stay on the damn field. I mean, I think he has more upside than old old Mike Evans with Baker Mayfield and old Michael Thomas with Derek Carr, personally, but okay. Yeah, I mean, I've got him ranked ahead of Thomas still. There's a dip to be to be had. Did you feel like you did a good job buying the dip on Judy, getting him at the four or five turn? Not really. No, the five, or five six, six turn, turn. Five, six turn? I mean, not really, but I knew I wasn't going to get him at the seven, eight turn. Okay. So there will be some people who think like you that want to buy into Judy maybe as a second half of the season breakout. It, hey, look, things could come together in Denver just because they look bad now. You mentioned it with the offensive line. That doesn't mean that it's going to be permanently messed up, but it could mean that it's going to be an issue for September and it could bleed in October. Potentially that could happen. And by the time Judy's back, things are are working again and Sean Payton is – sprinkled his magic pixie dust on everybody and they're looking good if that's the case then you you might be okay taking him at 60th overall i would try and and be a little greedy because i'm worried about that upside actually existing for jerry judy so if i'm buying the dip on him it's got to be round seven Uh, i don't mind if it's toward the beginning part of round seven but i'm thinking about 15 spots after where you took him adam Totally fair. Heath, I know you wanted to get a word in there. I'll let you get that in. I'm just saying you call them second half breakout. I mean, there's a possibility he misses two games. I think it could be a long, you know, a bigger stretch. Yeah, there was, and I'm going to do my thing that I do where I, I take something that I saw on Twitter and don't give the person credit who who said it. But um, it was uh, one of the, the football guys, injury expert Hutchison, I believe. Um, and he, uh, he said 26% decrease in fantasy production, I believe, for players in their first week back off of a hamstring injury, a long-term hamstring injury. And if it's a, if it's an absence that takes more than a month, then that decreased generally lasts up to three games, not one game. So I don't, I'm not looking at it as when will Jerry Judy be back on the field from this hamstring injury? If this is costing him weeks of the regular season or a week of the regular season, then I'm presuming his first game back is not a game that we're going to want to start him. Sure. So let's just say he misses the first three weeks and week four Denver plays at Chicago. It seems like that's going to be a favorable matchup, although the Bears do actually have some nice young cornerbacks, but he won't be at 100% for that game. The four games after that, Jets, Chiefs, Packers, Chiefs, then a bye, then the Bills. These are tough defenses, and it it, it makes it's going to make me nervous to expect even like top 15 type numbers. From I mean, which Jim. defenses are you worried about? You're worried about the, the absolutely and the, the Jets Chiefs? and the Packers and the Bills. I mean, okay. And I, I think the Chiefs defense can be. I'm going to give, I'm going to give credit now. There. I found it. It's Adam Hutchison. So thank you, Adam. Um, first game <laughs> back fantasy points dropped by 26% on average wide receivers who miss five plus weeks saw linger effects with a 12% drop in production for the first three games back. That's good stat. Um, all right, uh, we can wrap up on this. I, I want to ask you, is Cortland Sutton a must-start wide receiver until Jerry Judy's back? I don't I don't mind him as a number three receiver to begin the year. I The reason I hesitate is because 
you were still drafting him in round eight. So, like, I'm not going to start him probably over Jahan Dotson. I'm probably not going to, st- I'm probably not going to start. So, there's a good chance I already drafted three wide receivers yeah. before I drafted him. So, I don't know that it'll be a must start wide receiver. I think you keep his name in mind if you don't draft three wide receivers with your first seven picks. Right. Zero. And once zero you get to that eight, nine, too. 10 range, you know that that's a name in the back of your mind that you could dial up to be your starter at wide receiver to begin the year. But again, you're, you're 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 counting on this Broncos offense. I talked about how they might be better in the second half of the year. I don't know how good they're going to be week one against Vegas. I know that that seems like a good matchup, even though Max Crosby against that offensive line. Oh man! I mean, if I can't, <laughs> they like they're going to be bad against Vegas now. Like, I mean, well, I, I look, they they, they, might stink. they were they bad stink, against second team defenses in the preseason, right? But so uh, maybe they come out and they just you know dazzle our pants off. But I'm I'm. I'm nervous about them. Okay. It's less about Vegas. It's more about the Broncos. I understand. Sorry about that. So uh, what about Russell Wilson? Is he off your board? And then what about Greg Dulcich? Where did I move Russ to? Russ is already buried for me. Like I'd rather draft Kyler Murray and stash him on my IR. I'd rather take the chance and see what I have with Jordan Love, Derek Carr, Jared Goff, Stafford. Pickett. Pickett is one spot behind Russ as of now. That's that's a move I could see myself making. Take the chance on Pickett over Russ. Russ is pretty much a two QB only guy for me. Okay, Dul- and then Dulcich, Dulcich is interesting mm-hmm. because w- we've already seen the Broncos lose a bunch of receivers this preseason. Tim Patrick's yeah. out, KJ Hamler's out, and now Judy's out. So Marvin Mims is a name we need to talk about. To the top of the don't you forget about me rankings. Absolutely. (laughs) But I think Dulcich belongs in that group too. Because they could just, A, what I I think they might do is play more two tight ends. But he's not the typical, he's not the old school tight end. He's a new school tight end. He can run routes. Yeah. And the athletic yesterday. He's someone that might be worth drafting and stashing. A good second tight end, if you will. The Athletic yesterday said Greg Dulcich will... I don't know if this was... Yeah, I read it yesterday. I don't know when they wrote this. Greg Dulcich will remain the top tight end target and wouldn't be surprising to see him end up as the team's third leading receiver behind Sutton and Judy. Uh, Heath, any thoughts on Mims and, uh, and Dulcich? Yeah, very excited about Mims as a potential last round or two guy who, especially in best ball where you don't have to decide when to start him, I've already seen some stuff. I made this comparison when he was drafted, but he can do some of the deep stuff that Tyler Lockett's done. When Russ spins out of the pocket mm-hmm. and starts running yeah. this way or that, Mims is the guy that I think he finds deep down the field that somehow the defense just forgot about and nobody's within 20 yards of him. So I do expect Mims to have a, a big pop game or two. I don't know that he's going to be a reliable starter, though. Back to Dulcich, the first four games of the year for the Broncos. Raiders, like we mentioned, the Commanders after that, the Dolphins, and then the Bears. These are teams that haven't necessarily been great covering tight ends. It It is a favorable schedule early on for Dulcich. All right. Why do I love Jerry Judy? I'm just going <laughs> to last five games of the year. He was on pace for 112 catches, 1,557 yards, 10 touchdowns. Um, what was his pace before then? What's that? What was his pace before then? Well, I'm not going to tell you that. He left, he left <laughs> I will tell you games. that. He left three of those games with an injury. 
But he was on pace for 58 catches, 874 yards, and five touchdowns. He left three of those games with an injury. I already told you, and he had to wrestle control of the targets he- from Cortland Sutton. I've got so many stats on Jerry Judy. This is one of my most Azer-statted players. Okay, hold on. No, it's all about- right. Look, it's all right. We don't have to keep belaboring it. I can move on. I can-, can I steal one more thing from... Go ahead, Dave. Eight games. His first eight games. One of those eight, he left after 10 snaps. It, maybe we can weed that one out. 64 catches... 954 yards, six touchdowns. That's his pace, right? So that That's if you take pace if you take first. out the game he left, you're over a thousand yards. And like I said, he got better and better as the year went on, as Cortland Sutton got worse and worse. So if you buy into Judy, it, you you buy the narrative that he wasn't the number one target at first, and then they said, "All right, this guy needs to be our number one target." And Wilson started throwing him the ball more. What were your thoughts on Anthony Richardson last night? I got so excited. Excited. I got, I, so, do you see the guy run? Yeah, he's exciting. Yeah, like he is, and they're not even like designing a bunch of run plays for him because it's the preseason. They don't want him to get hit. Philadelphia played their second team defense, but they blitzed over and over and over again, which you have to assume the Colts asked them to do since the Colts head coach was just in Philly last year. And listen, Richardson made some terribly dumb plays and some bad throws, and then he made some plays like, oh wow. And when he runs with the ball, it is like I hesitate to say how excited I get. I, I am fully on board with my prediction. I don't even think it's bold. If he plays 17 games this year, he's breaking the record for rushing yards for a quarterback in a season. He's the greatest athlete ever to play quarterback paired with a coach who's going to draw up 10 run attempts a game for him. The only thing that keeps him from breaking that record is injury. Okay. Wow. He might, he might, run, if he plays 17 games, he might run for more yards than he's going to throw for. No, not quite. He was six of 17 for 78 yards with 38 rushing yards. He also had a 15 yard carry uh, called back. So his rushing was unbelievable. But 78 uh, passing yards on six of 17 in one full half against backups. Uh, Dave, did you share Heath's excitement? I, I do because I think that he not only. Um, ran the ball well. He he was really, really comfortable in the pocket. When they did bring the blitz, he would step up. He didn't panic throw. He didn't, you know, drop to his knees and just, you know, absorb a hit and be in the fetal position like a little baby. Um, he, he looked poised. And I only counted three bad reads. I watched the film this morning. Three bad reads, but eight off-target throws. And that's going to be the whole thing with him is – how many times are we going to watch him throw to somebody who's covered or open and he's off target or they've got to adjust to it? Like it's it's going to be kind of ugly to watch him. So we might be at a point where when Richardson drops back to pass and you don't think he's going to run, just cover your eyes. Or maybe you hear the announcer say, Richardson's taking off. And then you can look again. Um, I, I was thinking during the game last night, the idea of him averaging 225 yards per game yeah. is so preposterous Ridiculous. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now, like, he was on pace yesterday for 156 yards. Mm-hmm. That might be a better representation Wh- of his average. Which we know is good enough for QB7. Absolutely. The other side to it we is do? this. The other side to it is this. They said after the game that they were not interested in taking check down passes. So he was he was purposely throwing deep, and it seemed like they wanted to try and connect on some deeper throws. A lot of the deeper throws were not pretty at all. But I, I think that in a, in a regular season game, 
when they're going to game plan properly, we'll see him be a little bit better of a passer. And he was already making good decisions mostly in this game. So I, I'm pretty enthusiastic about him. Is he going to set the rookie rushing record? That I don't know. But Not rookie. I'm sorry. Did I say quarter, rookie rushing no, record? I meant quarterback, quarterback rushing record. Uh, whichever one you meant, I'm still going to say. I, I don't, don't think know. he's going to set the rookie rushing record. That would be a bridge too far. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe 18 hours um, or something. But there were times where he reminded me of, of Cam Newton. There were times he reminded me of Ben Roethlisberger. Um, he, he's, he still has potential. His footwork has gotten better, I think. Um, we'll just see I, the one thing I want to body a lot. It was okay. just, it was weird. That was, go ahead. Heath, get in there. Go ahead. Thank you. The one thing I want to respond to from the chat is somebody said a guy who's not played in the NFL yet is the greatest ever at something. And what I said was he's the greatest athlete to ever play quarterback. And, and what I should have said is he's the greatest athlete to ever test at the combine because athleticism is not tested on the field. It's tested by how athletic you are in terms of your 40-yard dash, in terms of your leaping ability, and that's just a fact. He is the greatest athlete to ever test as a quarterback at the NFL Combine. Mm -hmm. If he has that and he is a willing rusher, which we know that he is, and the thing I I think you hit on, Dave, the difference between him and Justin Fields in a positive way, because Fields was much better in college as a passer than Richardson. Richardson's pocket presence, I think, is already better than Justin Fields' pocket presence last year. I don't think Richardson's mm. going to have the wow. same problem taking sacks that Justin Fields has had early in his career. I thought you were about to say Justin Fields is a rookie, and to that I would have absolutely agreed with you. Even even if I if I'm not ready to agree with you on what you just said, the bottom line is that Richardson does seem prepared for the onslaught of blitzes that the Colts are about to face. And how about a, a little bit of kudos for the offensive line? Three starters were out there. I think they did a pretty good job protecting him. Okay, let's uh, move on to the Breakfast Club in just a moment. I'll tell you we have a mailbag coming up. It airs Saturday. Uh, it's It records on Friday afternoon, so we'll see you there at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time on youtube.com slash today. Please continue to ask questions via Apple Podcast. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. Do it for the FFT Dynasty show as well, Fantasy Football Today Dynasty. Leave a five-star review there, and you can ask a question after the review, and we will get to many of those. We have so many that I can't read all of them, but we'll get to a lot of them. Um, and Draftathon is Wednesday, 4 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Just put it on your calendar. And thank you all so much for donating. We've surpassed last year's total. We're going to keep trying to get that number up there. But there's a donate button at the bottom of the YouTube stream. If you could just hit that donate button, and, and we'd really appreciate it. That'd be awesome. When we come back, The Breakfast Club, a ton of news and notes, ADP risers and fallers. We'll be right back. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. All right. 
Don't you forget about me. Dave, you have a name on here that uh, Heath said maybe a little too early. I kind of agree. I don't I don't know that you can he's in the Breakfast Club anymore, but Jalen Warren. Um don't yeah, you forget about after yesterday. Don't you forget about moving him up on your draft board, I guess. <laughs> you could talk about that. That was you have Jalen Warren, Roshan Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jawan Johnson. That's your Breakfast Club. I used to steal Jalen Warren in the double digit rounds. I don't think he'll quite go there anymore. I think he's gonna show up as a top one hundred pick and I'm on board with it. I think Warren's got a chance to to certainly carve out a passing downs role with the Steelers, but maybe even get some run because he's just a little bit faster, a little bit quicker, a little bit more sudden than Najee Harris is. And he he's really shown out in the preseason. I expect him to still get some good work. And we've seen Najee miss time before, or maybe not miss time, but certainly play hurt. The Steelers might not hesitate. If Najee isn't efficient or if Najee is not playing anywhere close to 100%, they might just let Jalen Warren take over this thing. It reminds me of when Willie Parker got the opportunities to do exactly that. He was a little guy for the Steelers, and he ended up having a a really nice year. You guys have drafted with me a bunch. How many times have I not drafted Jalen Warren in in our mocks? What's the earliest you're willing to go on him? The earliest I'm willing to go with him is late round eight. Okay. Um, Roshan Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell, and Jawan Johnson. So Roshan's in the exact same boat as Jalen Warren. I, I except the difference is that I'm I'm rather confident that Roshan Johnson can be uh, a league winner in the last third of the season and maybe even the last half of the season. I just I love the way that he plays. I know the coaching staff in Chicago loves him too, and. Khalil Herbert's good, and he's going to be their starter. And I know Matt Eberflus just talked him up in Chicago, but I think Roshan's where they're eventually going to go. He did; He's done everything great so far in the past season. I would take Warren over Roshan, but they're literally back-to-back in my rankings. They're both top 100 picks. Gainwell just makes sense for me as, as a running back in a great running offense. Philadelphia's got the great offensive line. I wouldn't expect him to get many touchdowns. DeAndre Swift is already being talked about as, as a tremendous passing downs back. Are they going to put a lot of carries on him from week to week as well? Rashad Penny's had a couple of nice runs this preseason. No guarantee he makes the final roster for the Seahawks, for the Eagles, rather. I don't know why I said Seahawks because he used to be a Seahawk. I think Gainwell, just by nature of the fact that he could be the healthiest of those three running backs in Philly, makes him someone worth keeping on a bench. He's a round 10 pick for me. Jawan Johnson's also a round 10 pick. Uh, there's been a lot of great buzz about him in New Orleans. If an injury were to befall Thomas or Olave there, I would expect Jawan Johnson to really see a good target share. Three of the last four years, the tight end has gotten at least 23% of the targets from Derek Carr. So that he's got a track record of looking for that position. We know that Darren Waller was that guy. Jawan Johnson is not Darren Waller, but I think he could still end up getting 19, 20% of the target share if things break right for him. Another tight end that you could actually begin with as a streamer, he's taking on the Titans in week one, Carolina in week two. I don't know that you have to draft Jawan Johnson in the 10th round. He went in the 12th round in our draft yesterday. I haven't seen him really go in the 10th round, but I do draft him a lot as well, Dave. Let's put him in the breakfast club. Heath, uh, what is what would you like to say unless you'd like to get into your breakfast club? <laughs> Yeah, I I um I struggle with the Juwan Johnson one. First off, I think the one thing Dave said about Gainwell is I'm not so sure he won't be their short yardage back. He's got a nine rushing touchdowns on 121 carries. 
Like he, he has scored at touchdowns at a much higher rate than Swift. And we saw Swift was not viewed as a good option in short yardage last year by the Lions. So um, I think Gainwell's upside is is pretty significant if that happens. Um, we we but, could find out in a week if that's what they decide, because if they let go of Penny, that tells you exactly the role that Gainwell could get. And then with Juwan Johnson, like if is the twenty percent target share if Michael Thomas is healthy? Because I ha- I have a hard time. Like I think the running backs probably get a twenty percent target share. <laughs> And Chris Olave and Michael Thomas are both going to be over a 20% target share. You know, I think you lower that to 15 or 16% if Thomas is healthy. And then the other thing, have you done projections for the Saints, Dave? I don't. I, I think I might have for Camara. Because I think the the most difficult thing for me as somebody who kind of leans on what a team has done in the past, especially when the coaching staff is the same, is projecting like we talk about the Falcons and the Titans and the Bears and these these super run heavy teams and are they going to throw enough to support their pass catchers? The Saints, since Drew Brees fell off a cliff, have been extremely run heavy, and I like 510, 515 pass attempts, and so I don't know that I expect a big change from that with the emphasis they put on adding running backs to go along with Alvin Kamara and still planning on having Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill be a start of that, a part of that plan. Like I, I, I think it's hard to project them to be pass heavy. All right. Uh, who's in your breakfast club, Heath? My breakfast club is just just a little bit bigger than Dave's, although I, I would agree with Kenneth Gainwell for sure and Roshan Johnson. Um, I've got Kyler Murray. We talked about him on the most recent podcast. He seems to be available at the end of all of our one quarterback drafts and going like QB 22 or something in our super flex drafts. So, yeah, I guess there's a chance that he just sits out the entire year, but I'm willing to weigh that against the upside of Kyler Murray potentially being Kyler Murray in the second half of last year. And, oh, wow, you just found a top six fantasy quarterback. Um, would you, Heath, say that you would only draft him if you have IR spots? Or would you would you draft him if you've got – would you put him in a bench spot? I mean, I think that depends. I, I can't – do we have any leagues that don't have IR spots? We do I'm trying not. to think if I've and even. We not. don't recommend that. We think people should have at least two mm-hmm. IR spots. I guess if you were in a short bench league with only five bench spots and you didn't have an IR spot, then I probably yes. wouldn't draft him. But I agree. I don't think I have any leagues like that. Um, the running backs are just a couple of backups. Ty J Spears, who I talked about as one of my wow guys on Monday, has just looked fantastic anytime he's gotten the ball. And and who knows? He might have that Dontrell Hilliard role from a, a year and a half ago where he happens to catch 40 passes as well. They're talking about using him more in the passing game. And then Keontae Ingram, kind of the forgotten man behind the 28-year-old injury-prone running back. Ingram looks like the RB2 in that Arizona offense. And yeah, they're going to be terrible, but he's available at the last round of the draft. And if Connor gets hurt, he's getting 18 touches a week. Okay. Uh, Kyler Murray, Tajay Spears, Keontae Ingram, go on. We talked about Marvin Mims. I'd throw Jonathan Mingo, who has a similar ADP in that same range. We don't know the status of DJ Chark's hamstring injury. Adam Thielen's 100 years old. Chris Towers made a really good point about the fact that Mingo was not able 
to dominate targets on a team that didn't have any other NFL wide receivers? Well, he might not be playing with any other NFL wide receivers this year as well. That's the recent observation that Chris made. And then the tight ends, Chig Okonkwo, I've come back around on him after the Traylon Burks injury and the fact that he's playing 100% of the snaps in the one tight end sets, which is not something he was doing last year. And then Irv Smith, just an end of the draft free guy who should see five to six targets a game. Okay. Dave's Breakfast Club. Jalen Warren is not going to be there late, but get him anyway. Roshan Johnson, Kenneth Gainwell, Jawan Johnson. Heath has Kyler Murray, Tajay Spears, Keontae Ingram, Marvin Mims, Jonathan Mingo, Chico Conquo, and Irv Smith. News and notes, other than Jerry Judy, Cooper Cup thinks he'll be ready for week one. Terry McLaurin may not be ready for week one, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, Miami has made at least one trade offer for Jonathan Taylor, according to the Miami Herald. Uh, so you got to be, I guess, a little cautious, but they go so late drafting Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, but because the Dolphins have seemed like they're kind of in on running backs, but almost all of them are gone at this point. We'll see if wasn't they- there a report that they even tried to see if they could get Josh Jacobs from the Raiders? Uh, yeah, yeah. So they've been linked to Dalvin They're Cook, sniffing. all these guys. <laughs> Okay, uh, Jordan Roderick of The Athletic thinks that Rams running back Kyron Williams could be more involved in the passing game. Mm-hmm. says Kyron Williams has had an excellent camp, but also that the Rams want to see if lead back production is possible from Cam Akers. Um, what, do you th- what do you make of that, Dave? Kyron Williams was a good passing downs back at Notre Dame and certainly could fill that role. We were talking about him last year as potentially a member of the Breakfast Club, and then he got hurt, and so we we dropped him. I think that you could look at him in deeper leagues as a good late round pick. Okay. Does that role exist in the Rams offense? It might because I don't know if Akers can do it. And they might need somebody to be available for checkdowns with their offensive line. Yeah, they never throw the bad news for Tyler Higby if he doesn't have that role anymore because he's been the checkdown guy the last couple of years. Well, they need multiple checkdown guys. The Texans need a lot of help. still have not declared a starting quarterback. It seems like it's going to be C.J. Stroud. He keeps playing with the ones, but they haven't officially announced it. Jets wide receiver Alan Lazard is expected to be ready for week one. The Cardinals acquired quarterback Josh Dobbs from Cleveland for a fifth-round pick. And uh, if... Oh, I had a question for you. If we're downgrading Joe Burrow, I don't know how much you are downgrading Joe Burrow because of the calf injury, but I think fantasy drafters are downgrading Joe Burrow. Why isn't anyone downgrading Jamar Chase or T. Higgins? This team does not look like it has a very good backup quarterback situation right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, I'm just wondering, you know, we have we really haven't brought that up since the Burrow injury. Should we be downgrading Chase and or Higgins? I'm less concerned about Burrow missing time than I am about Burrow not being quite as effective and just not running at the start of the year. He had five rushing touchdowns last year. That was a big part of his fantasy production. Yeah. I'm not worried yet. Okay. Uh, Good story from The Athletic where they asked the beat writer for basically a fantasy spin for every team. So I picked out, I don't know, about half the teams. And we could just, let's just go real quick here and you give me your reaction. Cleveland, expect a lot of quick, safe targets for both Elijah Moore and David Njoku. Yep. Elijah Moore is another PPR Breakfast Club member. All right. Uh, he should have been on the list. Some tight ends. Dallas, Jake Ferguson could have a fantasy impact. Detroit, yep. Sam Laporta might already be Jared Goff's number two target. Denver, I already read this one. Greg Dolcich will remain the top tight end target, and it wouldn't be surprising to see him end up as the team's third leading receiver. 
and then Green Bay. Luke Musgrave will be a matchup problem for defenses and one that Jordan and one of Jordan Love's favorite targets. So positive stuff on Ferguson for Dallas, Laporta for Detroit, Dulcich for Denver, Musgrave for Green Bay. Heath, that's a tier right there, basically. What do you think of that group? Well, and this goes back to a point that Dave first made, I think, on FFT like three or four years ago with the connection between running back targets and tight end targets and one spiking and the other one dropping off. And it's interesting looking at all these tight ends. Like, does Sam Laporta have a chance to see more targets than Jameer Gibbs? Is Greg Dulcich going to impact the pass-catching running back situation for the Broncos with Sean Payton, who's had that Alvin Kamara role? Does Luke Musgrave make it to where Aaron Jones is not the number two target on his own team? for the first time in four years? Or do all these guys probably not matter except for as streamers? That's how you draft them. (laughs) You draft them as streamers slash blue chip guys that you're hoping turn into something and can help your team by October. And I think Laporte is the best of the bunch. Dulcich would be behind him. Uh, Ferguson after that, and then Musgrave bringing up the rear. All right, for the Colts, Josh Downs has had a good camp. He had a bad drop. He had a bad drop yesterday. That was a bad drop. Would have made Richardson's numbers look better. Yep. Uh, Jacksonville, Calvin Ridley could return to being a true number one wide receiver this season. Love him. Been loving him since the offseason started. Is he the easy wide receiver to take once Smith, Olave, and Higgins are off the board and when the Keenan Allen, Christian Watson, Hopkins, et cetera, group starts going to I'm, more? I'm more excited about him now than I am Higgins. Ooh. He is he is 14th for me. He is behind Waddle, Olave, and Devontae Smith. I've still got Higgins ahead, but then I've got Ridley next. I, the one thing I want to go back, and I've not had time to do this, but um, I – there was there was a very very small sample size of Calvin Ridley being a number one wide receiver. Like you say, get back to being a true number one wide receiver. His best year was with Julio Jones. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you look at his numbers though the, that year because Julio was that was a year Julio missed a lot of time. I think He's, he scored a bunch of touchdowns, right? No, actually, no Julio? it was funny. I think his touchdowns went down, but his target oh. share because you know that's what just happens with the Matt Ryan number one receiver. But his target share, his yards, I mean, his involvement went. Way up when Julio wasn't there. I mean, I can give you the numbers if you care. Yeah. Uh, okay. Um, let's see. If we could talk to Matt Ryan, we should ask him about that. Yeah. Okay. Ridley in 2020, that was Ridley's big year, right? Um, 17.2% target share. Or was it 2019? No, 2020. He was the top five receiver. With Julio Jones on the field, 17.2% target share, 19.9% target per route run rate. With him Those aren't off, great numbers. With him off the field? Oh, no. Shoot. Damn it. What did you do? So I'm going to I'm gonna look this up, Dave, and we'll talk about it on a future podcast when we have the numbers. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. I don't know. But I, I, I do remember that. there was something about oh, maybe, it, it. maybe it was the target share spiked and the efficiency really just fell apart. I don't remember. It was one of those two. All right. Could you bring it. it up on the mailbag? Adam? I got it. I got it. All right. 2020. Ridley had a 17.2% target share and a 19.9% target per route run rate with Julio Jones on the field. With him off the field, he had a 28.6% target share and a 29.3% target per route run rate. They basically, those numbers went up 10 or 11% with him off the field. Still terrific, though, with him on the field. His numbers were better than his target share. He made a lot of big plays. So did you know that Christian Kirk's numbers last year was were the best numbers that a wide receiver has ever had, ever, ever, ever had 
under Doug Peterson. Yeah, yeah. I did know that. You did. You, told, you said that. Of course, that a lot. you know that. Oh, you said that. Yeah, I remember you saying that. Right. So the the thing that holds me back from putting Ridley even higher is that I think that he'll be reined in on the target per route run rate and the target share and might be right around like 21, 22%. But he's still going to be explosive. And defenses aren't going to be able to just double team Ridley and say, all right, we're, we're good. Like Jacksonville was a functional passing offense last year without Calvin Ridley even in the stadium. I, I think he's going to have some really good numbers. He will finish as a top 15 wide receiver. All right. Did you want to finish, Heath? No. Okay. Uh, Kansas City, Richie James has the talent to be an effective slot receiver along Sky Moore. When you see that, does it make you hesitate on Sky Moore? I think that means because Sky Moore is going to be playing all downs and Richie James is going to come on the field on thir- when there's three receivers. Exactly. Like the way I read that. Yep. Okay, Josh Palmer in the, for the Chargers. Josh Palmer appears to be ahead of Quinton Johnston. Should we take Johnston well, off our board? That surprises me. And... That doesn't really, I don't, yeah, I don't think you should take him off your board, but he's probably, I don't, where's, what's his ADP? Um, maybe round 10 ish. I think that's fine. Like, there's no, no floor expectation with a round 10 wide receiver. You're just drafting for upside, and Johnston has that. Okay. It's, it's just another player that you're going to have to be patient with. Uh, Minnesota, the Vikings are committed to giving Alexander Madison an every down workload. He's like a round six pick. They've treated him like that this whole offseason and preseason and training camp. Ty Chandler had a chance to try and make some inroads on uh, on taking work away from him. I think he's done a, a decent job of it. I would imagine he's just the next man up behind Madison. I've moved Madison back up in my rankings. He's a, probably a top 15 running back. I can double check it real quick, bringing up the rankings. Here it is, uh, 18, but a round four or five pick. Somewhere in that range in PPR. Madison's another one of these running backs, along with Miles Sanders, um, and was David Montgomery, but I moved him down. Who I've I just have ranked too high above where they get drafted. Mm-hmm. That, that would be the only reason I would move Madison down. I think he should be an early round four pick. Okay. Um, Jamal Williams will be the RB one for the first three games, but Kendry Miller will have a role. Can you trust either of them in their first three games? Can you trust either of them in week one against Tennessee? Great run defense. Touchdown or bust running back for Jamal. There's no way you're starting Kendra. Okay. Uh, Philadelphia. Draft Dallas Goddard was like the headline there. And DeAndre Swift is most likely, is the most likely running back to, quote, grab hold of the reins, end quote. And the article said, Goddard has been dominant throughout the summer and looks like a lock to outperform that draft status. Uh, Miami's Burg, Ohio. Three, four, three, five, three, or whatever it is. He down. does have more seasons with more than three receiving touchdowns than Darren Waller. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I, I, he's a guy I'm afraid I'm too low on. Like, I draft Darren Waller, or D- Dallas Goddard in round seven, and he's a guy I'm afraid because really all he has to do is what he did last year stay healthy and have not, not score a bunch of touchdowns, just score five or six, and he's tied in three. Would you say that he's safe? I, oh, yeah. I would say that he's safe. I don't think he's got like he'll have a couple of spike weeks. That's what he had last year. But so many games in 2022 with 13, 11, 12, 12, uh, a couple with nine, one with 10. These are PPR points per game. This is a tight end. And so 
if he's obviously the solution if you don't want to go and stream the position and you can get him at a pretty decent value on draft day. Just understand, like he's not going to be one of the high volume target guys unless something happens to Smith or Brown. Right. Okay. But he could be a thousand yard receiver with those guys healthy. I don't think he can. He was on pace for 980 yards last year. That's not a thousand. Yeah, I, it's just weird because I, I brought this up, but before Dallas Goddard's injury, Devontae Smith was, I think, the number 35 wide receiver in fantasy. After Dallas Goddard's injury, Devontae Smith got going. We didn't really get any sample of healthy Jalen Hurts because he was hurt when he came back and and Goddard and, you know, like healthy Goddard with the breakout Devontae Smith. I, I just don't know. I don't know what carries over. You know, did Devontae Smith just kind of take more I, targets when, when Goddard got hurt? And then now all of a sudden, okay, like he's a star, so that's going to hurt Goddard. I, I don't know what's going to happen there. But I was sad on Smith. Was a Devontae Smith target worth as much as a Dallas Goddard target last year? You know what? I I, I, I don't bet know. for the first two thirds of the season it was not. I, I'm not sure. I mean, uh, it just it sounds to me like a situation. I understand because Devontae Smith is a, a a potential future star, why we would make an exception to this. But it sounds a lot to me like a situation where Devontae Smith's targets went up because Dallas Goddard got hurt. Right, but yeah, his but targets did not they go down. They don't keep that or he stick did, with They that. did not go down when Goddard came back. Right, exactly. And yeah. now they've added DeAndre Swift to the offense. That's going to be another short area pass catcher. Well, I, I know for a fact that a Dallas Goddard target's worth more than a DeAndre Swift target. Yeah, but it's but it's harder to throw to Dallas Goddard than it is to throw to DeAndre Swift. I mean, it's like you mm. probably... No, I mean, Dallas Goddard's not catching passes out of the backfield. These are dump-offs. These are... He catches short throws too. But he, I know. I but think not, he has a higher catch rate last year than Swift. All right. Look, if you. Okay. Moving on. Um, I'm okay. Moving on to Pittsburgh. George Pickens has significantly, significantly expanded his route tree. Oh. So, uh, is every is everyone in on the Pickens train? I think I might be the only one. I want some pickings. What does in mean? Round six. That feels a little rich. <laughs> Adam's out now. <laughs> uh, actually, yeah. Well, he went in the middle of round seven. Yeah, you can probably yesterday. find him in round seven. What's his ADP? Look up his ADP. I bet you can find him in round seven, maybe round eight. I'm good in round seven. Uh, round seven, yeah. 80, All right, so if I got to reach, uh, if I got to reach a little bit for Pickens in round six, I'm happy to do it. I think Pickens or Judy, awesome Pickens. It's not even a question now. It was a question before. All right, uh, I, I moved Pickens up a little bit. I moved all the Steelers up a little bit, or not all of them, but Johnson and Pickett and Pickens last night or this morning. Um, but still, I've not like his. He's. Still, pretty much all the highlights you're seeing of George Pickens are the same highlights as last year. It's him running down the sideline with a defensive back running right next to him and him manhandling that defensive back. Oh, that's a bad thing? No, but you it's not a no, 99% I get it, I get it. of the NFL receivers. That's not a successful sure. recipe for a top 24 receiver. No, but he was already a very good contested catch receiver last year. I would not be surprised if he sees an uptick in targets. I think he's going to separate better this year. than he, He's not going to turn into Jamar Chase. 
but he's he's gonna be a very very productive receiver this year, and so happy it's, to take him around six and take him ahead of Deontay Johnson. It, it's not even so much like I don't we I don't know that it's a George Pickens criticism. I'm not saying that he. It just seems like there's not like can we get him a few slants? Can didn't we get take, him? A, didn't he a, take one of those a, to the house in in the first preseason game? Yeah, it was a deeper slant. It wasn't short. And can we get him some layups? The press was bad. Just some, some layups, just some easy yeah. catches. Right. But Mike Evans never has those. Or, well, I wouldn't say that. But, you know, Evans doesn't really have a lot of those. He didn't last year. He will this year. That's a reason to be kind of encouraged by Evans. Oh, speaking They've of They've talked which, about in Tampa. They're going to move him around more. Baker isn't going to throw deep as much to him as Brady did. He'll have some shorter throws. Evans is another name that I keep in my back pocket as a, as a number three receiver that people are passing over because he's old. Yeah. Speaking of which, the Tampa Bay beat writer said Mike Evans could be more productive with Baker Mayfield than he was with Tom Brady. Now that's a little crazy to believe unless we're talking about 2022 Tom Brady. So the theory was Tom Brady would spread the ball around. I think go through his reads more. Baker might just lock in on Evans, maybe Godwin as well. And the well, we've seen that with the, the impact Baker can have on a number one wide receiver. <laughs> I can just really force feed them targets. <laughs> All right, and then the last note that I wanted to— Shai Smith over DJ Moore last year. uh, I wanted to bring up DK Metcalf, uh, Seattle. DK Metcalf is Geno Smith's go-to guy, and the connection should be better this season. I still think he's getting drafted too soon. Okay. Did you guys have any other thoughts from preseason last night? Uh, I, I liked Evan Hull's patience when he ran. And I know that he's a good pass catcher if they give him the opportunity. So if Jonathan Taylor is traded and they don't acquire another running back, he would be the running back that I would target. In deeper leagues, you should probably draft him now with your third to last pick. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because Deion Jackson was definitely the starter. I don't think Hull got Yeah, until I just don't think possession. he's that good. But I then think you Hull's got back. Zach Moss. When is Zach Moss back? Is that, Zach I think Moss... Hull's better than him too. All right. Do- do we really believe that they'd trade away Jonathan Taylor and not add Hunter Fournette? Like those guys are going to be. I, I feel guys. like they add somebody. Yeah, that's true. Unless they just they love the guys they have, and look at these illustrious names that they have. They've got <laughs> Jackson and Hull and Zach Moss, and don't forget about Kenyon Drake. Question about Michael Pittman. Um, it's almost like the Jets, right? Mike Evans, Mike Thomas, Michael Pittman. Who's your who's Rank the mics. Mic drop. Mic drop. <laughs> uh, Evans, Pittman, Thomas. And then yeah, Michael Wilson in Arizona. Is there another mic that I could put? I have not Where drafted Michael Pittman once this year. Um, I did, but I got him in like round eight or nine. Evans, Thomas, Pittman. I'm fine with Pittman in round nine. Um He'd probably have a couple big games where Richardson just does some ridiculous things, and but not often. One of the throws that Richardson missed was Pittman running free. His defender fell down. He would have had like a 50-yard touchdown, something like that yesterday, and Richardson did not see him. All right, guys, and uh, anything you want to say about the Steelers? They played against backups and... Once again, look very good. <laughs> Just absolutely throttled them. Uh, this is going to be a, a better passing offense than you think. 
the the one thing I changed this morning um, that I kind of got talked out. I started the year with them extremely pass heavy the off season back in February, just because that was their history as an offense and an offensive coordinator. Pass and I. Yeah, Canada has been pass heavy his entire time calling plays, except for the last seven or eight games of last year. And okay. so I changed that middle of the summer to more closer to run heavy. I moved it back towards pass heavy last night. They're um, literally back to back in 2022 pass rate with the Saints. Uh, what do you Steelers? mean? Steelers threw it 54.9% of the time. Saints threw it 54. They just ran 100 more plays. Um, but yeah, that, that last year was the change. It was a pretty stark contrast of uh, Pittsburgh against the Atlanta backups versus Indianapolis against the uh, Eagles backups on both sides of the ball. I mean, the Eagles marched down the field on the on the starting defense and scored a touchdown. So that was not a good night for the Colts, if you ask me. But maybe people think differently. Um, all right, let's uh, let's take one last break here and. We will look at some ADP risers and fallers after this. All right, ADP risers and fallers. Full disclosure, I had all these notes prepared, but now we have different ADP. Uh, Better ADP, I'd say, to use. We'll use the CBS ADP if you're watching on YouTube. Thomas, you can probably just go through it. And we'll look at players that are up or down at least four spots in recent average draft position. And that would be Aaron Jones would be starting there. He is now up ahead of Ramondre Stevenson to 31st overall, still behind Joe Mixon, but ahead of Ramondre Stevenson, and in CBS ADP, ahead of Travis Etienne. Is that too early? That's the middle of the third round for Aaron Jones. The only reason it's too early, if it is, is because of age. That's where he should go. I've got him 32nd um, in full PPR. It's just it's just an age concern. What he's done, who he's been, is deserving of being picked at the two three turn. Okay, um, let's see what else we got here. Joe Burrow down four spots to thirty third overall. I believe he is QB five. Lamar Jackson is going thirty first. So uh, Joe Burrow down four spots, but we're still not, we're certainly not taking Joe Burrow thirty third overall. No, um, and I would still take Burrow over Lamar. All right, at six point. Madison, Alexander Madison is up four spots to 49th overall. So based on what you guys said earlier, you're cool with Madison at 49th overall? Yep. But I'm 40th. Four or five turn there. DJ Moore up seven spots to 50th overall. One of the biggest gainers, DJ Moore. I love that value. I still think he's got... I'll speak for, for myself on this one. I still think he's got... Low end wide receiver one potential, but you draft him as a capable wide receiver two. We've seen him average 14 PPR points per game. I think it's going to be a better result this year than what we saw last year in Carolina. Uh, who do you guys have ranked higher overall, Madison or DJ Moore? Moore in PPR. Madison. Okay. Brees Hall is down 12 spots. This is reaction to the Dalvin Cook signing. He's now going 53rd. But the way I interpret a list like this, when you see you know arrows going down and Brees Hall down 12 spots to 53rd, that means in recent drafts he's probably a, he's probably a lot lower than 53rd. Would be my guess, guys. I don't know if you interpret it the same way, um, because you know it, it, whatever it is now is pulling down what it was before, which was well. But he was like a third round pick. 
I think, before the Dalvin Cook uh, signing. So that was. I don't remember any of us taking him in round. No, not for us. I'm talking about an ADP. We were always like, his ADP is way too high. Brees Hall now 53rd overall. Who's in on Brees Hall in the fifth round? Me. Not not Heath. Okay. Heath, you're in on Brees Hall in the what round? Uh, I've got him at 62, so I like him in round six. That's almost round five. Jacob I, Dobbins I, is up. I can't ignore the the upside that he's got. Uh, J.K. Dobbins is up to 58th overall. He's up four spots. Dobbins or Hall? Dobbins and non-PPR, Hall and full PPR. Dobbins and both. David Montgomery is up five spots to 67th overall. Um, Kamara, Montgomery, Rashad White are going back to back to back. And then James Cook is behind that, but James Cook is up seven spots. He's one of our biggest risers. So ADP right now has Kamara, Montgomery, Rashad White, and James Cook all as risers on CBS. But Javante Williams has a big faller behind all of those guys. Should Javante Williams be behind Kamara, Montgomery, Rashad White, and James Cook? In my rankings, he's one spot ahead of Montgomery. Everybody else is ahead. Yeah, I've got it. Cook, Kamara... Some other guys mixed in here, but Javante, Montgomery, and Rashad White. But I have them all ahead of Brees Hall. I, I, I have White at the top of this group. I think he's got the best shot to keep the starting job and get a lot of catches this year. Deshaun Watson is eleven down 11 spots. I don't know if this is a reaction to that That's report. the news. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just where, wonder, where is he among the quarterbacks? He's QB 9, I guess. He's behind, you know, it's where Herbert. Herbert Fields, Lawrence. Lawrence is going 57th, and Watson is going 76th. That's only three rounds ahead of where I have him. <laughs> yeah, it's too high for Watson. But every quarterback is going too soon for our tastes. I don't know about that with Fields. He's going there are three quarterbacks, 47th. Three quarterbacks who are going behind where I have them ranked last I looked, and it was Fields, Tua, and Richardson. Uh, Tua is a steal on our our ADP, Kirk Cousins and Aaron Rodgers are going ahead of Tua. Tua's going as QB, I think, 11 or 12, uh, 99th overall. And then, yeah, nobody's... no ADP has never been as high on Anthony Richardson as you guys have been. He's going 117th overall. Um, that could pretty much do it. Khalil Herbert. Khalil Herbert up nine spots to 85th overall. Should Khalil Herbert be a top... Oh, but Dalvin Cook is still ahead of him. How about that? Dalvin Cook is 81st, up eight spots. Khalil Herbert is 85th, up nine spots. Should either Cook or Herbert be a top 80 pick? No to the top 80. I like Herbert better than Cook. I think Herbert can help you in the first half of the year. And and what happens if he actually has an outstanding first half? Then all this excitement that I have for Roshan will fade away. I, I do think, yeah, I agree exactly with what Dave said. I'm not taking either of them until round nine. Mm-hmm. but I would take Herbert over Cook. Um, I think going back to that quarterback discussion, though, it, it is important to emphasize. Like People say the way we talk about quarterbacks is unrealistic. If quarterbacks get drafted at ADP, you don't have to miss all of them. As long as you like one of Fields, Tua, and Richardson, you can just stockpile great players and then draft one of those quarterbacks at what we say is a value. Yeah, it, it, I don't know if you're not drafting... On CBS, if you could feel that way about Tua. Oh, you still like his ADP, even not on CBS. 
right? Because like, well, he's not going, in non-CBS ADP, Tua is going ahead of Cousins and Rodgers. I think that there will be, regardless of what site you're drafting on, and maybe it's, maybe there's a site this isn't true, but I think each site will have two or three of these guys that are falling to the point that we're okay with them. It might not always be Fields and Tua and Richardson, but I think you can usually find, it might be Cousins on one site. Um, It might be Geno on one site. It might be Daniel Jones on a side. For sure it is. Um, There will be guys available at what we say is a value. Um, That's going to do it for today's show. Mailbag later. Fantasyfootball at CBSI.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Talk to you soon.